So I'm looking forward to this conversation, by the way. You and I are collaborating uh, officially on a product, which I can't wait to talk about. Yeah, I've, I've, so we've advertised this as Justin Michael A and Matthew Kobach because Matt is meant to be joining us at some point. But right now, as we are sat here live, Matt isn't here. No, no, he understands how to build suspense. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Yeah, like uh, Liberace or something. So he'll he'll be in at some point. Um, and I've got a question to start with, and this is literally the only formal question I'm going to ask you. And this is the one from Robbie Crabtree. Uh, he DM'd me this like five minutes ago, and he said, "Justin, how do you come up with jokes for speeches?" That's all. He that's asked. the hardest. So there is that's an outstanding question, and I am racked by guilt constantly for not um, hopping on a, a call with Robbie. I promised to to talk speech writing with him and to contribute to his performative speaking class, which is really great and taking off. Um, if you ask me that during one of those sessions, I would simply acknowledge how hard it is to write jokes. Um, I every day cannot believe how talented comedians are. I truly believe comedians are among the best writers in the world and they can't afford to misuse a word. Basically they need to be precise. Their timing has to be perfect. So I have, I'm, I'm a writer. I was a speech writer for a number of years um, professionally at, at high levels representing senior government officials and so forth. Um, but by far the hardest thing is to tell jokes or to write jokes, especially for an international audience. You can really screw up the very first speech I ever contributed to for David Petraeus. Um, he was giving a speech at the Marine Corps association gala, something like 500 people black tie affair and uh, he made an offhand joke about the Air Force. And now he's a joint commander, so he's an Army officer speaking to a Marine audience. Now, this is domestic U.S., so um, he didn't have translation issues, which, which further complicate things. Um, but anyway, he disparaged the Air Force, which was a terrific joke that he delivered beautifully and then had to apologize with a formal statement the following week. Um, because the entire Air Force was up in arms. And so it, it really is a difficult challenge to, to write that sort of material. What we ended up doing was writing jokes about the Hittites, which is some um, you know race in the Scandinavian part of the world from 800 years ago, so no one could be offended. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you just find that you just tend to just avoid them? Because because no of no the you have to you, no 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 I, I think it's it's an it's a necessity you have to try I'm not actually all that funny my brother is one of the funniest people you've ever met um, I didn't get that gene so um, it it takes I you can write um, a, a speech that is delivered and not misunderstood but you can write five jokes and they'll all be axed out of the speech so. Um, if the, if the speech takes 10 drafts, the, the jokes are going to take 20 drafts, almost always. So you, you think they're a necessity? I do. Yeah, you have, to, you have to keep the audience's attention. I mean, typically what you're trying to do is sort of um, carry forward a sentiment, not just an argument within a speech. And um, that mood is often really improved with sporadic humor. Um, I've written a little bit about humor, um, but again, I'm not the world's greatest practitioner of it. I'm a little bit more serious naturally. Mm. It's I, I completely agree with you uh, with stand up. 
I love watching stand-up, and they are some of the most talented people in general because they're not only writing the jokes, they're delivering the jokes, and they have such a an understanding of everything, of human nature, of, of, of the way that people um, understand topics, not just jokes. I, I mean, a stand-up act isn't really just jokes. It's massively underselling most stand-up acts. The jokes are just a, a kind of a, a delivery method, really. Um, yeah. I mean, the comedian typically has a moral point of view that they're trying to express. Yeah. And, and that's actually, um, not to segue off of comedy, but um, that's what I do on Twitter. In essence, when I write these big idea summaries is channel a person's worldview. And typically somebody who's really prolific, like Kobach, already has a point of view that he's trying to express and he just does it in fresh and novel ways. So um, it's a, it's sort of a, a similar set of goals for me is to just try to understand and reverse engineer that worldview that they're trying to get across. And you can't be prolific on Twitter or anywhere unless you've already sort of resolved what that worldview is. And now it can evolve over time, but the people who are the most prolific already really have thought through a lot of these issues. And so they don't have to labor over every tweet. They sort of really know the kernel of what they're trying to say and um, new circumstances in their life and in their experiences allow them to express it in new ways and develop it. So you, you think before somebody become, become prolific, they need to work out what their worldview is and how they're going to say it because ultimately you can't stay prolific if it's that's a hard word to say. Uh, you can't stay prolific if, if you're trying so hard every single day, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's how these summaries started. By the way, Kobach just texted. I think he's going to hop on now. So we'll have to welcome him. But um, these summaries started um, by my fascination with Jack Butcher on Twitter. Um, he has a very declarative style in the way he communicates. Um, and I wanted to understand how he developed and started and galvanized that style. So I downloaded all of his tweets. And at that time, this is November of 2019, he probably had 5,000 followers. He's probably got 60 K now. And um, already you could tell he was on to, a, he had established his voice completely um, at that time. Mm. And I thought to myself, I, and I had done this for a living. I, had, I would help people establish their own voices. Now I'm trying to do that on my own these days. Um, That's my fault. But, sorry. <laughs> so I'll just finish this. Uh, I'll tie this, this story up. Um, what I did was um, I wondered to myself, did he develop that naturally? How long did it take him to develop his voice? So I downloaded all of his tweets stretching back to 2013 at that time, he had tweeted less than three times or fewer than 3,000 times. And now he tweets probably 3,000 times every six weeks. Um, but if you look at his really early stuff, he was like sort of, I just went to In-N-Out Burger. Uh, I just hung out with my buddy, you know, Max and so forth. And he had none of that style fully developed yet. And over time, you can just sort of see it sharpening and sharpening. So then it sort of developed a razor edge to it, which is cool. And um what I'm trying to get at is the reason now he has this prolific output is because he has constrained himself to this voice that comes naturally to him. It comes from his decade of experience and so forth. Mm. And 
you know, I needed, I needed a decade of writing under my belt before I had the credibility to, at least in my own mind, to express and channel other people. So, so Matt, Matt's here. Does Matt know we're going straight live as soon as he joins? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I love it. Right, let's see. <laughs> He's, I've, I've just pressed admit and, oh, is he here? I just pressed admit and he disappeared. But this is this is a perfect segue to actually talk about how we all kind of met. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yo. After I had summarized Jack Butcher's stuff, I thought this is it is possible to reverse engineer a person's worldview just from three thousand ephemeral tweets. You and I hopped on a call, I think, early in twenty twenty, where you said what you're creating is a permanent asset from this ephemeral stream. Yeah, and um, I. I looked around um, at the people I admire and those who I wanted to learn more about. And I thought it, it worked with Jack. Why don't I try Perel and Kobach? And um, since then I've been tr- sort of um, on the hunt for people who have these crystallized worldviews. Are you, are you looking to get Matt admitted? He's, he's there. Yeah. I'm here. Oh, I'm oh there you are. Yeah, surprise. Are you dialing in from an undisclosed location? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Secret, secret location. I'm in like a, I'm in like a closet right now. It's a big closet, but it's a closet. Do you know that we're um, we're live on YouTube and Twitter right now, Matt? That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> just, just... Secret. Secret. Uh, yeah. That's why I'm not telling where I am. No one. No one can know. <laughs> yeah, the only the only thing we're allowed to say is that Matt is not in the United States. He is using the fast flex policy. <laughs> yeah, fast flex is great. So, how are you guys doing? I joined a little late. What's good? What I missed? Good. Yeah, we we were just kind of setting the scene a little bit. So, I was just talking about Justin. Um, asked him a question about how he writes jokes. Justin said that he's not that funny. Um, <laughs> And then Justin started just telling a little bit of the story about how he started on Twitter. And yeah. I, I want to chime in at that point because uh, I still think you're one of the most fascinating Twitter accounts that are out there. I, I love everything you do on, on Twitter, Justin. And summarizing people's tweets and the way that you distill them down and then feed them back is is a, is is a once in a lifetime skill and i think it's fascinating and they're really they're awesome to read as well so this this is the kind of the the, the point if we were to carry on the story where i saw these tweets as, as you mentioned and i started sending you messages because we knew each other through visualized value jack butcher's community and i was sending you messages saying man you need to do something with these tweets you they they are these things that could last forever they could be turned into books they could be I don't know, turn into videos, podcasts, anything. And I just kept poking you. I just kept saying. It was, it was months of unrelenting pressure. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how I roll. That's how I roll. So, yeah, and Matt's, Matt's summary did super well. He has a knack for uh, sort of um, getting things to spread, great, great ideas to spread. And he was spreading his own ideas, which is a further incentive to do it. Um, and, uh, somebody, I think responded to that thread and said, here's your book. And, um, so there, there was some structure to it. It takes a little bit of rewriting. Um, you know, a lot of the, the ideas are, I try to remain true to the, the thinker, 
And in particular, in, in Matt's case, I, I, just, I literally tried to reverse engineer exactly what was coming out of his head. Um, but then, you know, we sort of sent a note to Matt and uh, rest is history. We're on the precipice now. Yeah. yeah. I remember I was talking to you, Justin, the other day. Uh, one thing I think that you do really well, and I don't know if this is um, the same for other people who you've taken their tweets and, and organized them or distilled them, um, but it was almost like I had this, uh, like I'd written 3,000 tweets on note cards, but I didn't have any of them organized. So what you did was take them and organize them and find that like, oh yeah, here are the, you know, 15 topics that you hit over and over and over again and look at how they all kind of go together and, and they flow. And that's not something that I'm predict- particularly good at. Um, and so it's, it is an amazing way to be able to look at things and to kind of see that like, this is the organization of this. And that's what takes a couple random uh, thoughts or, or tweets and, and organizes them in a way that it actually becomes something, you know, more linear or more substantial or something that, you know, somewhat resembles a book, if you will. Yeah. The last piece, the very last piece of any of these summaries is to take the 20 or 15 ideas um, and they sort of resolve together into these buckets. Um, But the very last step is to put some order to it and try to tell a story or build an argument from it. And, And yours actually came out, very naturally, uh, where it was, um, it, it, there was a clear and deliberate order to it, like add value, state your value, follow wisely and so forth. Um, and so that's the very last piece of it is to make it all like kind of build on itself as each bucket is presented. Yeah. So that that also might just mean I'm redundant. Well, we were talking before you hopped on. Um, redundancy is probably the one of the greatest virtues that you could have on Twitter. I mean, you say really very similar things, but in completely fresh and new ways. That so it doesn't feel like you've said it again, but really, you're hammering the exact same point. Mm-hmm. I, I think hundred percent. I think that's to kind of carry on the story to make this sense to everybody. So, Justin, you wrote the the Matt Kobach. Twitter at summarization, which did really well, which which I really enjoyed. And I was still poking you at this point to do something with some of these. And I saw the Kobach one. Uh, and, and I think at that point I was like, th- th- there's something to do with this. This is a really cool format. And then at that point, I think I sent you some uh, a, a structure for it, how it could work as a PDF or something like that, as a downloadable product or something. And I visualized some of them just kind of just off the cuff, just quickly to illustrate the idea. And and then we started talking about this idea of turning all the big ideas, things into, into something. So every single one that you've done, turn them into PDFs or something like that. And one of us said it, I can't remember who we said it, but we, we started focusing on the callback one because it was so good. And then that started turning into something something else so we made we made the pdf first of all to test the idea and then i think you got in touch with matt right yeah yeah in fact i, w- I would love to hear matt talk about that um and sort of how yeah. how that that proposal uh, hit you initially because we've actually evolved it quite a bit we we had the beginning of a format in mind um but even even yesterday it's still evolving um but yeah, I'm eager to hear what, what um, you thought about that initial proposal, Matt. 
It, so first off, it feels like a lifetime ago. Like every <laughs> every awesome. month in COVID is like a year. My God, yeah. like I'm remembering where I was, and and I remember I was sitting outside having a conversation with you guys. Um, but yeah, I honestly I forget how it came up, but somehow you messaged me. I mean, obviously we've been talking because you've done the summary, so I was familiar with you. And uh, at some point you're like, hey, I put something together. Let me know what you think. It's kind of based off this tweet summary I did, and I looked at it and I thought, wow, this was like. There's a lot of work that I put into this, and this looks pretty cool, and there is something here. And it was formatted so that it would kind of, I think it was, I think it was formatted so that it would like work on a mobile device, and I really liked yeah. that because I, I it, like to me it was something that you could kind of scroll through while you're, you know, sitting on the couch or, or you know, it was, it, it's like we have all these down times where we grab our phone, and it's too easy to kind of grab the junk food. Not that, you know, anything that I'm putting out is – uh, fine dining by any stretch of the imagination, but it's better than junk food like that. I'm, I'm confident enough in what I do to say it's better than junk food. And so I really like this idea that we could kind of, you know, when you wanted that, you know, 30 seconds of distraction, or even if you wanted like kind of, if you had 15 minutes, you kind of get lost in it for a little bit, uh, that it was in that format that it would work, which it was very much a visual format. It was very much uh, Twitter. It was like Twitter and, and the visualized value kind of stuff all had a baby and it came out the other end. And like I said to you earlier is my weakness is really organization. Like it's not, I'm not a particularly organized guy. I can be, I, I'm fortunate that I've ended up with a partner who's organized and, you know, I'm the person who's like, crap, let me find my plane ticket before I'm getting on a plane. Uh, and it, so for someone, and it's, and it's just like, I just don't like it. It just like, it, it pains me to do these kind of things. Um, and not that anyone likes it, but it just seems like there's some people who are like, it doesn't pain them to do. And so when someone did all the work that really, you know, that, that I hate that I just didn't want to do, it all of a sudden became, wait a minute, all I have to do to get this across the finish line is the stuff that I enjoy doing. Like it was a really easy sell. And uh, I don't, you know, I'm sure that wasn't deliberate. I'm sure you guys didn't know that about me, but, it, you know, it was an easy pitch on my end. Um, and also, too, this was at a time, um, you know, I think COVID had just kind of hit. We're all being locked down. No one's really sure about what they're doing. And so it was this interesting way to like, all right, like, let me get a new hobby during this. Let me figure out a better way to pass my time and whatever it is that I'm doing. And this seemed like an interesting way to do it. So uh, I believe we had a call pretty quick, you know, pretty early on and you guys kind of walked me through it. Um, told me about the idea and I loved the concept from the get go. So I, you know, I, I, I kind of figured it would evolve and look slightly different, but the, uh, you know, the, the bones of it were there. And so it was just an easy thing to agree to. And, um, you know, the hardest part really has just been, um, you know, sitting down and carving out time to sit and work on it. But once I do, it's easy to get lost in it for, you know, an hour or so. Yeah. And it's still coming together. Um, I'm really pleased with where it is now. I think it's, it's come a long way. Um, for yeah. any, for anyone who's listening, I can assure you that Matt has been frighteningly relaxed during this process. Um, which uh, I think is just keeping with his personality. Um, but there's never been a, a moment of, um, stress involved in this entire process. I, I feel like my role has been what I did in the past for, for others, which is just to draw you out a little bit, have a conversation with you, give you time to just live with it, um, edit to some extent lately, um, and, uh, yeah. add some structure. 
I think. What... Yeah, I, I, the editing, especially too. Like, I don't pretend to think that anything I write is scripture. It can't be better. Um, I think one of the things that you did too in this project was you grabbed some of my old tweets and used them as bullet points, and I've since rewritten them. And so it's even, you know, I, like I'm sure I could go back and look at early tweets and think about ten ways that any one of them could be better. So it's this kind of fun thing where I've been able to go through old tweets, make them better, um, but then also have that inspire additional ideas. And so there's this kind of um, rhythm to it where each chapter starts out with a handful of tweets, and uh, they're pretty much all unique. They're are they're all new, you know? Maybe they're kind of a remix of a remix or an extension of an idea, but um, there's stuff that either I've improved on or is, is stuff that I've never put out, period. That's been one of the most surprising parts of this. I, I cobbled together, you know, call it five or so tweets in each of these buckets, and they were literally your own words. So I didn't think you were going to touch them, and you've rewritten almost all yeah. of them at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, did, I, did, I did some more. I woke up a little early today. I was up at like 7 a.m., um, which is early for me. I don't know if it's early for anyone else. But I was up at 7 a.m. and like literally just going through and I rewrote another dozen of them. Um, it's just kind of like, uh, I, you know, I just feel like they, they can always be better. And I'm not the kind of person who, um, you know, lets perfection get in the way. I, I put out plenty of bad stuff. Um, but it's almost just like, uh, you know, if you recorded a song, I assume, you know, when you were 18 and then you, you get a lot better at whatever your craft and you record the same song, like it's just not going to sound the same. And so that's kind of how it, it feels at this point. Like I'm going through and it's like, I don't know that I would write it that way. Let me change this and make it a little more interesting or make it a little more pithy or make it a little more of whatever it needed. Yeah. Um, sorry, jump in Craig and, and uh, interrupt um, us, but uh, just one, one reaction to that, um, Matt, first mm -hmm. We ought to withhold, I think, the title for the time being um, until until we might be ready. But I do think it would be good for, for you maybe to reflect on how um, you've got this section up front, which is much more focused on creativity, content, marketing. And then you're drawn out um, on sort of a broader, into the broader realm and how it applies to, yeah. to, to life. So I, to really explain that in the intro, it's really to explain my whole Twitter profile. And so when I decided to kind of do this little, you know, experiment or adventure, whatever you want to call it, uh, I had to kind of find what I was going to say. Um, and really, actually, I don't know, maybe people have, don't know this story that are listening. Um, when I started on social media, I kind of are on Twitter. I started in May of 2019. So not that long. It's almost you know a little less than two years ago. Uh, and the reason was I had built the New York Stock Exchange social media following uh, like to millions and millions of followers. And when I started, their social media was really bad. And so I wanted to uh, well, so and so I was able to build it. And I wasn't sure if I built it because their social media was so bad before that any idiot could have built it as long as they were just kind of paying attention to it, or uh, was it something unique to me? You know, like, is there something I did that other people might not be able to do? So I decided to like, all right, let's see if I can build something from scratch. I'll just use my own brand. I'll use my own Twitter profile. Uh, if it works, I get to, you know, who knows what happens. Like I never in a million years expected this. Uh, and if it doesn't work, who cares? Like no one will know that I had this little failed experiment and that I'm a fraud at the New York Stock Exchange. Um, so I'd kind of taken the things that I had learned from, from the stock exchange. And, and from really doing this professionally for several years and applied it to my own social media profile. 
And so one of the things, uh, and, I, and I'm actually kind of, I think I remember writing something like this this morning, is you, if you have a brand and you're writing content, creating content for them, you want to say the things that only your brand can say. Like that's a really important element to, to being a brand. And so I was like, all right, let's, what, are the, what are the things that only I can say? So I started saying things that you really knew if you had been doing social media for a decade. And I started saying things about like what you would know if uh, you were creating content and what it means to create good content. And, um, you know, I wanted to cut through, there's kind of a lot of BS in that space. So I started by just kind of cutting through it. And, uh, and once I got there, you, you know, they kind of run out of that stuff after a while. And the other thing that I was always interested in was this idea of self-improvement, of uh, human nature, psychology, philosophy. i just been interested in that since I was in, you know, a freshman year in college. I think like a very cliche that, you know, you got in and, uh, you know, you have some professor that kind of opens your mind and, and you know, uh, evokes some kind of passion. So I had that. So I started layering that over the social media. And what I found was, a lot of these like really big ideas that old philosophers have or that psychologists have or that people in academia have been studying for years, uh, they apply to all these different facets of our life. And so I kind of decided to take these big ideas and apply them very narrowly to either creativity, content, or marketing. And that's when it like, it, it really took off. It was this like, let's, let's take this like how to live a, a good life. And really all my tweets are, are kind of messages to me. Um, but how do we take this way of living the best possible life you can or to be the happiest as you can or to be the most fulfilled? And let's apply this to content. Let's apply it to marketing or creativity. And, and I just, that just happens to be what I work in. You could apply it to leadership. You could apply it to sales. You could apply it to so many facets of your life. Um, but that's the one that I'm working in. And so that's when uh, we did this, like, that's what was interesting to me. It was like, all right, so I've kind of blurred these two on my Twitter profile for so long. Let's actually reverse engineer. Let's do it backwards. Let's separate them a little bit because then once you separate them, you can kind of see the bigger picture here. And that even if content creativity marketing isn't what you're interested in, there might hopefully still be some nuggets that you can take out of it and apply it to whatever it is that you're interested in. And, uh, and caveat, all the ideas in there are ideas from people who are much smarter than me, who have thought about this much harder than I have. Uh, but it's all out there. And it's just like, if anything, I'm, I'm kind of like a curator of it. I think I think that idea is fascinating. And that's one of the points I wanted to touch upon about this, this idea of remixing things that's already gone before you. Because we, we, what we're looking at right now is actually multiple levels of that. So we're looking at Matt Kobach's content that's been remixed from other people, like you said, that you said smarter than you. And then we've got the next level down, which is Justin's content, where he's taken your content, which is a remix of your remix. And then we've got the final level down, which is the thing that we're working on right now, which is a remix of a remix of a remix. Mm -hmm. And there's endless levels to this. And th this is what makes content creation so exciting, that there's just endless ways to remix things that have already been said for different markets, for different niches, for, for whatever. I, I think that's really exciting when you realize that and it's just. Poof. Yeah. It's a, a lot of the stuff too. And it's about putting maybe these ideas that don't necessarily seem like they go together together. Like that's like, I think ideas mostly is about ideas now, since I think they've all been kind of had, it's about putting different ideas together and, and all of a sudden now it creates something new and unique. Um, 
I, I was legitimately thinking about this this morning while working on it, uh, that it's like the best way to steal ideas is to steal so many and to put them all together and then, uh, you know, mix them all up, see what's left and kind of scrape off the excess stuff. And all of a sudden, somehow it's a new idea when you present it to the world. Yeah, just taking the best bits of something that mm-hmm. maybe wasn't even realized to its full potential in one place, putting it somewhere else, and suddenly you've got something that's even bigger than the sum of its parts. That's that's mm-hmm. really exciting. This is going to sound maybe a little like uh, 60s hippy-dippy, or, or I don't know the right word, but what's <laughs> kind of funny is this, feel, this feels like very much like an extension of me, and it feels like we're all like this. Like we're all remixes of remixes of remixes. Like that's who we are innately. We get all these different ideas. We have our parents. We have our culture. We have our friends that all kind of, you know, we, we take the best from all of them, and sometimes we take the not-so-best from all of them, and what comes out the other end is us. So it's like this, this kind of metaphor for who we are as people, you know, you got your genetics, you got your culture, you got your, uh, your day-to-day life. And so, um, I, I just think like humans are remixes of remixes of remixes. Like we're all just taking the best of what we see and trying to apply it to our own personalities, our own essence. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and kind of to, to some extent, I think Twitter is the ultimate manifestation of that. We, it's, it's, it's baked into it that, the idea of retweets and the idea of sharing people's content. And now a, a lot of people are doing the kind of uh, permissionless apprentice type thing from, from Jack Butcher mm-hmm. and uh, Justin's doing his thing. There's a lot of this going on on Twitter. And um, to some extent, some of the things that Gumroad are doing are trying to promote that. They, there's There seems to be a big push for that kind of attitude. And I think it's amazing. The fact that we're all sat in three completely different locations separate separated by thousands of miles and the fact that we randomly just met through one thing on the internet that's come to this point right where we are right now which it does sound hippie but i'm going to say it is the the, yeah. ser- the serendipity there that the internet and twitter and all of these things coming together has allowed is amazing and I don't think that could have happened at any other time than than right now. Yeah. Um, It occurs to me that there's the trite expression, every company is a tech company. I I think (laughs) there is an addendum to that that needs to be um, added. Every company is a company of creators these days. And Gumroad is sort of taking the attitude that Gumroad itself is built by creators only. Um, I think Sahil has now um, decided to only hire people at Gumroad who are already Gumroad creators. Um, and I think a lot of companies are going to move in the direction of sort of the morning brew or the fast where people are personalities and, and creators through and through. Yeah. It seems like a no-brainer for me for companies to do that. Every podcast I go on, I mention that. They kind of ask me what the future is or what I think people miss. And it's like, why would you not make every one of your employees an advocate? Why would you not want – like, they're, already, they're talking about you. Whether, whether it's on social media or it's not on social media, they're talking about you. And if on social media, at least you hear it. At least you see it. And now you get all the benefits of it, too. It used to be like you'd only get the negatives of it, you know, like or, or, or like at the best it was even. So – you know, putting up employees and, and, and setting them up to, to be advocates for your company is just so powerful. Well, why is it still not widely done? 
Uh, I, I'm willing to bet that it will change very much so for startups. I don't see big corporations doing it anytime soon. Um, I just think it's uh, corporations and startups are, are just, I think they're two different animals. One is you have to be, corporations survive because they're risk adverse, you know, or at least the people in corporations survive because they're risk adverse. Um, you know, you get up to a certain level and, and this isn't every corporation, but it's most of them, uh, where you don't want to rock the boat, you know, kind of no news is good news. You do it, you plot along, you can show that you've done X, Y, and Z and that it's been, you know, whatever successful, what you don't want is some big idea that costs a couple million dollars that completely fails that the, you know, now the CEO is asking, why are we in the news for this? Like, that's what you want to avoid as an employee where if you're in a startup, you need those to get attention and you can handle a few more uh, misfires and a few miscues. And even the miscues are kind of good because you're in the news. So it's just a different appetite for failure uh, that has to do with the size and the people that are in the company. I've, I've often thought it might be something to do with a fact as well, that this idea of control and, and to some extent, a bit of fear that, if, if you all of a sudden you're, you're in a big corporation and somebody kind of takes off, you know, in any way, they, they take off on YouTube or on Twitter or whatever, they build mm-hmm. a huge following. Mm-hmm. Are they then scared that that person's going to leave and do? Yeah, which is such an odd thing to worry about. Who cares? Like, good, let them leave. Like, what, a, what how about this? I, I shouldn't say who cares. What a good problem to have. Yeah. You're, you're telling me that this advocate is so popular that they've gotten so much free publicity for your company that they're going to go leave and do their own thing. And now you have an audience that's eager for you to fill that seat with someone else. And hopefully you can build them up to a couple million followers and they leave too. Like it's no, you know, it's, it, if we were worried about that, we would never have any news anchors or actors or talk show hosts or podcast hosts because we'd always be worried that they get too big and they'd want to leave. Like it's just, it should just be, accepted and celebrated honestly like that'd be amazing if you hired someone to run your social media and they became super famous uh, off the back of your brand and then you know who cares Uh, who cares there's an adjacent topic to this which is what we're doing the three of us i mean we all have full-time jobs and we're collaborating on the side on a, a sort of a passion project that all three of us come at it from three different angles from three different parts of the world and have a diverse set of views that are sort of collaborating and, and producing something, putting it, creating something new in the world. Um, and I don't think, I don't think Dom is uh, coming over the top rope to you, Matt. No, uh, he's one, one of the, with my current job, one of the things that I, uh, I said, even before I started is I was like, I want to be an advocate for this company. I want to post about it. I want to talk about it. I want to like be very public. And I think he was secretly hoping that I said that or hoping, hoping that I would do it. I, I think maybe when I said it, he felt like the fish jumped in the boat perhaps. Um, but I like, to me, I want this to be an extension. Like I want, you know, it took time to build this. It took effort to build it. Like, all right, let me, you know, let, let, let's kind of point this audience in a certain direction. And right now, like that certain direction is what I'm doing at fast. And uh, soon it'll be what we're releasing here on Gumroad. But um, you know, like the, I've got an audience, let's use it. And, and I don't mean to like take advantage of it or anything, but like, I've got people who are going to look when I, you know, point the camera a certain way. So let's, let's give them something to look at. 
I, th I think we've kind of teased it a lot. I think we should kind of say formally kind of what it is. How much are we prepared to say? <laughs> how, about how about this? I'll, I'll start very generally, and then uh, we can see how much you guys want to um, uh, add to it, okay? Go on. So this, uh, the idea started, so we already talked about this a little bit, um, with that first draft of what was sent over and said, Matt, do you want to do this? Uh, and I said, yes. And what we found is through a couple iterations, we found, I think 18, we're at 18 right now, different chapters for lack of a better term that we'll call them, uh, that the, that some of my tweets just kind of fell in one of these 18 buckets. And so the original plan was to take, you know, a handful of tweets that would already been written and then kind of have an explanation about them and then have a illustration, a, a visualization of the concept. And we've since added it down to be a little more uh, delineated between this is the stuff that talks about content marketing and creativity and this is the stuff that talks about life. So right now there are still 18 chapters and there are five essentially tweets. They're kind of bullet points, but you know they're, they're written no longer than a tweet. They're all new. Um, that kind of help look at this concept through the eyes of uh, marketing. And then there's a longer explanation, an essay, you know, three to 500 words, maybe I haven't actually counted, uh, of an explanation of what this has to do with life. And then there's a visualization of each one of these ideas. Yep. That, that pretty much sums it up. That's good. Yeah. It's, okay. Uh, and I, I'll add a couple of things to that. Um, mm -hmm. one thing that I, I think I would want people to know about this is it's written, um, in a conversational style that shows a lot of respect for the reader. Um, in other words, it's meant to be concise. Three to 500 words is I think better um, when you're talking about how it applies to a broader set of beliefs or to life itself than maybe a thousand or, or 1500 words. Um, I, I think what we want is the readers to be hanging on each paragraph of that chapter, that larger explanation. Um, what we did was remove the constraint, in other words, of 280 characters. And let's just reflect. Let's like take a little time to reflect um, in, at length, but with respect to the reader. Yeah, well, I think that's a fair. It's, it's like tweets. If I didn't have a, a, a limitation on tweets, but I still wanted to be as concise as possible. Exactly. And then in so, I mean. This is not a book. In other words, it's not a full length feature, hundred K um, word book. I think it's, it's the beginnings of a larger project potentially. Um, but I, I want to make sure that we set expectations appropriately. Yeah. It's, it's essentially um, a, a very short book designed to be read mobile first. That, that is the whole idea behind it, uh, which, yeah. which, which I think is quite exciting. It's quite different that the whole project, the whole idea has been designed from the very beginning to be consumed from a, a mobile device, basically. That, that's the whole idea behind it. Yeah, and yeah. I would say this has been, um, you know, I, I want to put a proviso out there for any creators. Um, Matt, you're already pro prolific on Twitter, and you have a lot of these thoughts organized in your head. And yet, this has taken us months to sort of work through um, the material to understand where the format uh, should go. Um, and I think it's taken, um, time with it and then time away from it for months now to, to get to this stage. 
Yeah, certainly. It's one of those you didn't really understand the format until you started kind of writing it and saying like what it actually looks like on, uh, you know, on paper and, and it definitely changes and, and time away from it helps and time on it helps. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a process to create stuff. Go figure. <laughs> uh, we should leave it at your discretion, but um, have you invited anyone to um, add uh, forward or anything like that to the, I have, but I can't give away, I can't give away everything, but there is a, if you are on Twitter, you definitely know this person. Uh, he has very graciously agreed to write a forward and uh, uh, I'll probably tease that out before we release it. Uh, but I'll save something. You guys got a whole bunch of information today, so we'll save something for next time. But uh, it's definitely someone that you know of if you spend any amount of time on Twitter, kind of in, in that world that, you know, the three of us are in. I think I think a nice way to finish it would be to just spend a couple of minutes, if if we haven't already hit this, that kind of inspiring people that to to be able to reach out to anybody on on Twitter. Basically, this this project almost exclusively came out in the beginnings of Twitter, um, of just in reaching out, and I, I really want to stress to anybody who's thinking about they've got an idea for somebody that. In, in the day and age that we're in now, I, I don't think anybody is out of reach in, in, in the world that we're in. Yeah, and I think... I this, agree. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Matt. No, no, just, I agree. Yeah, I, I would say um, this goes along with one of the, the cornerstone concepts in the book, which is add value. And so um, part of, I think, reaching folks who you might want to work with is sheer hard work and putting in the time um, to give them something. If you're going to ask for even the smallest thing, I think it's incumbent upon you as the aspiring creator, if you will, to go deep into whatever the material is, um, absorb it to such an extent that you have channeled whoever you're working, want to work with um, in a way that's perfectly self-evident. And, um, you know, just reflecting on my own last year, I think I had 200 and some odd followers, um, maybe 15 months ago, which, and I don't have anywhere near, um, the audience that, that Matt has, but, um, it took a lot of work, frankly, uh, in the last year just to sort of get in people's heads and then offer something to the world. Uh, out of it. So I I agree with your initial point, Craig, that, that you really can reach anyone. And it's astonishing to me, frankly, that we're working as a collaborative trio here. If you had said in November of 2019, that we'd be doing that, I would say that's impossible. Yeah, I I agree. And it wasn't even until this year and until everything turned upside down and we live in this world where time lasts forever that I'd even started speaking to anybody outside of the UK. So th- this is an even bigger step for me. That I, I talk to everybody, I talk to anybody from all around the world on my podcast every week now. And it's it's only taken 11 months or something to change that for me. By the way, have you been hired by the call map yet? I think I think you should be sort of the narrator for the call map. <laughs> I, I, I've just got a typical accent from where I am. It's just the North accent, you know, the Game of Thrones North accent. That's all I've got. <laughs> just get Jon Snow instead, but he probably costs more. Yeah, he costs more. Yeah. 
Um, one of the things that, uh, about this creative journey is you don't really have to overcomplicate the, um, the tools that you're using. I think we're using Google Docs, and it's the simplest possible setup, purely plain text, um, putting the ideas first, and making that stand above and beyond sort of any sort of the, the highfalutin design aspects of it. And in fact, Craig, you're about to attack a lot of the, the visuals and so forth. Um, but until the ideas are perfectly crystallized, it would make no sense to try to try to visualize them. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I, and I'm just using Figma for that as well, which is another free tool, which is completely co- collaborative too. I use Figma mm-hmm. for pretty much everything that I make now. That, that tool as well has transformed the way I work in terms of, uh, especially there's been times when I haven't been together with the rest of the team. We can work collaboratively. Co- why can't I say collaboratively today? We work collaboratively. <laughs> it's yeah. late there. Yeah, we, we work together. We work together um, in Figma because it's just like Google Docs. So it's fascinating in terms of the design side as well, working with something like that. So all, all of pretty much everything we're going to make with this is all going to be done in free tools um, that are available to anybody with a bit of skill and nows. Yeah, and not to mention the, the actual sort of product page will be hosted on um, a, a fairly straightforward creator platform on Gumroad. Mm. Yeah. Any, anyone can do this, guys. Us, if us three idiots can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> Right. Great, great way to end it. If us three idiots right. can do it, uh, anybody can. Have you got any final thoughts either of you before we switch off and go do stuff? I, I'm not going to top that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a that's a foot stomp. Yeah, uh-huh. we three idiots. Well, we are. Um, I think we we haven't talked about the um, sort of the release date. Um, I think we probably should hold that in reserve as well. Um, case there's the wheels fall off the bus for any possible reason but uh i think we're on track right we're on track we're definitely on track if i get an illness if i get an illness it might might get derailed a little bit but as long as everything you know goes according to plan we're on track guys is there is there an illness in society somewhere that we <laughs> yeah I know, there's, there's one big one <laughs> i think i had it back in uh like february so we'll just assume i'm still immune <laughs> yeah. So shouldn't worry about getting it. <laughs> cool. Well, this has been this has been fantastic. Thanks for hosting, Craig. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thanks, thanks both of you for for joining. The fact that I can talk to two legends like you from a tiny little town in the UK is just absolutely fascinating. So I'm no doubt we'll speak again soon. And Indeed. yeah, thanks a lot. I'll speak to you soon. Cool. See you soon, Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>